You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore data. You know, I I um I was watching the Paul Farrington show. Somebody sent it to me. We've we've kind of made fun of them a little bit a couple times on here. All in good fun. Just, you know, they they started off with Jordan Love's gonna be trash. And um excuse me, apparently I really needed a good stretch at that exact moment. You know how you, you can't really control that. When it happens, it's just like this is happening. I don't there's nothing you can do about it. Cannot deny a good stretch when it when you just determine that it's time. Um, anyways, they're, they're, they're good people. I think they're Vikings fans. Um, they only have like a thousand subscribers. It's funny how many times they've popped up for me and I got people sending me their videos. Uh, I think Packer fans, it's probably 900 Packer fans are their subscribers out of their thousand. But anyways, they were talking and it prompted something in my brain. Um, they were talking about how they think that the, uh, Packers are probably going to win the NFC North, which is crazy. And it may not be true. And then they started talking about, like, well, I, I think they could legitimately be the four seed. And maybe even the three seed. And I'm like, you guys are getting a little carried away. And then I thought about it, and here's sort of the question of the day. And I'll pretend that that's a thing that we do all the time. For new people, just pretend that that's a thing, okay? Um, who is it in the NFC in the NFC that you can say definitively, you know, like, if, if I were to say I think they can be that good, you'd go, come on, man, pump the brakes a little bit. How many teams are there? 49ers would be fair. If I was like, I think, I think we're better than the 49ers, like, immediately. Come on, bro. Now, could Jordan Love be better than Brock Purdy? Sure. But the team is, the, the, the point is, and we don't know. I mean, maybe. But just in terms of, like, it's, it's not that crazy or far-fetched. The 49ers are an established team. They've established what they are. They are a team that is successful in the regular season and freaking sucks in the postseason. Despite the fact that they ousted us every time we saw them, they're no good at it either. But that's what they are. I mean, they're, they're, they are perennially just that team in the NFC. Other than that, Dallas and the Eagles, and we don't know how real Dallas is, right? I mean, da- I mean, there's, there's no reason to believe Dallas is as good as they pretend to be. So at this point in time, I'm looking at it. Yes, we lost to the Falcons, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking at the end of the year, which teams are fully established? Like, these teams are the top tier. 
that it would be silly to assume that the Packers could be on that level. I would say it's the Eagles and the 49ers, and that's it. There's really no reason in my mind to believe that it's that it's silly for the Packers to be the next team in that list. There is no other team. Again, Dallas would be maybe the next closest thing just based on what they've done, but the bottom line is Dallas has not proven to be anything for a long time. I mean, they're they're you know barely good enough to get into the playoffs, but that's that's it. And they're always kind of fraudulent, and something's always messed up with them. Washington, again, they're, they're two and zero. Congratulations to them. That's, it's, it's freaking Washington. The Giants are a disaster. The entire NFC South is kind of you know, eh. maybe the Falcons are something. Maybe they're not. I don't know. I think there's probably a consensus that number one, the Packers should have won that game. I know that's a lame cop out, but bottom line. I, and and by the way, I'm starting to put out videos. I need to get this podcast done, but I got part one out. Um, I'm doing a review. We we actually dropped three interceptions in this game. Preston also had a ball pop up in the air, and he kind of dove for it a little late. If, if a little bit more of an agile player was there, that's a pick. So Jair, Preston, Quay, all dropped interceptions. Right. Also, there was the drop by I think it was Samori Ture or whoever it was on you know on that game-losing drive that was a freaking dot, you know, whatever. And, and 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 again, general consensus that neutral field or in Lambeau Field, probably a Packers win. So I'm not going to pretend that the Falcons are some elite team that are on another tier. The Saints are 2-0. We'll get an, a, a better idea of them, but th- there's no real expectation that they're a dominant, ready-to-play-in-the-Super-Bowl team. We're not talking, dang, Saints-Chiefs-Super Bowl this year. Tampa Bay is also 2-0. But I think they're maybe one of the more inflated teams at 2-0 right now. Them and probably Washington. Carolina Panthers are 0-2, as expected. The entire NFC North, as we know, we already said the Packers could potentially be the top team there. I mean, it's not massively debatable. I mean, I think Detroit is still kind of the odds-on favorite, but it's it's very close. The Rams, some people, it's kind of like, are they for real, are they not? But they're the Rams. Seahawks 1-1, eh, maybe. Arizona, trash. It's crazy because you look at it and go, look, this isn't our year. It's it's kind of, we're just feeling things out. But even in a feeling it out, we'll see how it goes. Still trying to figure out how to get a functional defense somehow in year three. Um, trying to get the pieces to work. Trying to get healthy, which is already a problem starting in week one and getting worse in week two. And we'll see how week three goes. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday, so I don't know who's playing and who's not. You Maybe you do. I'm, I'm optimistic, but it seems to be going in the wrong direction. Even as we're starting to learn how to get on the same page with, uh, you know, our quarterback, wide receivers, tight end, running backs, etc. Even as our offensive line is trying to get their footing, especially in run blocking where they are, they're at their worst. Um, Even as, you know, Dylan seems to be uh, potentially regressing or maybe it's just he's struggling more so with the bad blocking than, than maybe a different running back that is kind of built for that. Even as we're in that state, you're looking at it going... I mean, it's not that crazy that we're not just a playoff team, but, you know, kind of like the third, fourth best team in, in the NFC. If the Packers beat the Saints, and that'll be a big test because it's the 2-0 and Saints, in terms of just kind of filtering out, like, okay, if, if we were to tear out the NFC, because the AFC is a little bit more established, but even that is kind of messed up now because you say, well, it's the Chiefs for sure, right? And it seems that way, but to be clear, they're averaging 18 points a game right now. 
So they got to figure that out. We assume they will, but whatever. Um, nobody else in their division is worth a damn. The Ravens are 2-0, but Lamar's going to be out by midseason, so who knows. Cleveland is kind of a mess because their quarterback, who I thought maybe was going to be something, doesn't look like he's ever going to be anything. Pittsburgh is a freaking disaster show. I don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh. I, I didn't lay physical money down, but I put my mouth down for whatever that's worth, on the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, I think that's going to be something. Pickens looks fine, but the offense in general is a freaking disaster. The Cincinnati Bengals look like they're done. Like, their quarterback is injured. He can't play quarterback anymore. Um, and now it's a question of, like, how how much longer... I don't even know if he's going to play this week, much less how much he's going to play this season. I mean, he, the, 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 a team that I thought was destined for the Super Bowl recently is probably going to be fourth in the, in the AFC North, which is crazy. Um, Colts suck. Jaguars perennially underperform. Uh, the Titans are garbage. The Texans are garbage. The Patriots are garbage. The Jets are pretty garbage. The Bills will see. I assume they're going to be one of the top teams, but I don't know. Miami kind of seems to be the powerhouse right now, if I had to pick one. So, I mean, even in the AFC, it's like, okay, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, and that maybe Baltimore if Lamar can stay healthy. So you got maybe four teams over there. But there's so much just dysfunction in the NFL right now, especially with injuries and, you know, like the AFC North should be a freaking... I mean, that that has the ability to be one of the more powerful divisions we've seen if things were working right. And three of those four teams are just going up in flames. And the NFC is even, even less impressive. I mean, it has been for several years now. Um which I don't know why I always have like this NFC pride thing. It always annoys me when the AFC is better than the NFC. And it feels like in most of my life that has been the case, which annoys me. There have been, you know, chunks of time where the NFC is clearly dominant. Um, but as of right now, it's, it's not even close. But it's just, it feels like the whole NFL is trying to get its footing again. And somebody had made the comment before about it. It just has a lot to do with just some really bad draft classes for quarterbacks. You know, a lot of the old heads are, are headed out and some of the other guys even like, you know, uh, that, that are still sticking around or no good anymore. I was going to say Matt Ryan, but he's not in anymore. Um, so yeah, it's just a complete depletion of quarterback talent and just waiting for anybody to step up. Uh, fortunately, even though I don't think Tua is like on the Mahomes tier, they're getting it done in Miami. We'll see, you know, again, how, how, how real that is. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just maybe in a different era, you look at Green Bay and go, eh, not not great. But right now, with everybody just slipping and falling and tripping over themselves, just A.J. Dillon style and all over the place, I mean, there's, there's a path to something relatively successful. And even in the NFC, like, which teams are untouchable right now? I mean, the Eagles are not exactly the Eagles at this point in time. They're not as good as they were last year. Again, it's early. They can get their footing. Dallas is massively overperforming. We'll see if they can maintain that. The 49ers are the 49ers, right? So that's sort of the the thing where, you know, if the wildest dream scenario, the Packers get into the Super Bowl, how does that happen? Somebody else beats the 49ers in some kind of a fluke. I have no expectation of that. But everybody else, like, is it impossible to beat the Eagles? I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe. I mean, especially considering they're... uh, kind of built like a better version of the Falcons. I mean, specifically against our defense, but I'd be interested to watch them and see if maybe they peaked last year. One of the critiques I've had of them for a while is they're kind of an old team. And some of the real 
awesome things about their team, especially the offensive line, are 35-year-old offensive linemen, 32-year-old guys. They got 30-some-year-old defensive linemen, although they do, they do a great job of constantly restocking that defensive line. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the Eagles and Cowboys are the two teams I definitely want to keep an eye on. Um because I just assume the 49ers will continue to be successful, but I don't know. I, I mean, there there is a path here where you could say, you can go into that Packers locker room and be like, look, guys, um, I, don't, I don't want you to freak out or anything, but if you can be decent, <laughs> like, if you can kind of be pretty good, and, and Matt LaFleur, we're kind of looking at you in particular, if you can kind of scheme this up, you know, help out Jordan, as as you have been. Continue to call great plays as you always have, despite the fact that nobody ever gave you credit. Get your boys open. Let them make plays. Yards after the catch, the whole nine yards. And if we can get this freaking defense to be... Can we... Can, I mean, am I being greedy saying top ten? Is that is that me being greedy? It's top third. It's not that crazy. Man, if we can keep the offense humming... And get the defense just to just to tenth. I'm not even gonna say top ten. Tenth. Can you be tenth? That'd be great if you could be tenth. Um Yeah, dude. I mean, playoffs are I mean, you get into the playoffs by winning the division. So we we understand that. Like beat beat the Lions, Bears, and Vikings. But just in terms of actually kind of putting yourself on the map, not just winning by default because you suck less than everybody else. But to have everybody look at the NFC nor uh, the NFC and say yeah, you know, I mean, it's the 49ers and then the Eagles and then Cowboys Packers. I mean, that, that, listen, we're way down the pecking order, especially considering that's just NFC. But it would be kind of cool in a year when the Packers are, were supposed to be living in like 1979. I don't know how bad things were there, but I just picked a year that sounded horrible. 1979 and, uh, you know, just the, the, this death era. And we win the division year one. We're in the playoffs and are considered the fourth best team behind, you know, Cowboys, Eagles, 49ers. I don't mind that so much, you know? To be, to be, especially when it's sort of you're on the tier of the, of the Cowboys. Maybe call it 3A, 3B kind of thing. I mean, look, maybe we just completely suck too. Maybe we end up down with the, uh, Buccaneers or the Seahawks or something. I'm, I'm, I, I, I guess for me it was just kind of interesting to kind of see it from that perspective. Like, what is the ceiling? I, I would say that the. I don't, I don't even want to say hard ceiling because I'm, I'm curious to see what the Eagles look like. But maybe the hard ceiling would be below the Eagles, who are below the 49ers. I'm not saying realistic. I'm just saying if the Packers meet their potential. I could see this being like the third NFC team in their first year with a very clear path to something better with a massively improved defense um, that actually meets his potential. And, um, you know, the, the offense just operating at, at its best with, with Aaron, uh, with Aaron uh, Jordan Love really just playing the way he's been playing, but just being on the same page with the receivers and everybody else. And man, just... If you get Musgrave figured out with Watson and, oh, I, I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Be an interesting year. But it starts with the Saints. Um, a loss to the Saints kind of hinders that. It doesn't It doesn't blow it up, you know, so I don't want to hear all, oh, what happened to your best 13? Burr, burr, burr. Go go, take your medicine. Calm down. Um, it, it won't be the best thing in the world, but 
you know, a win over the Saints would push firmly in that direction. It really would. So, this is, I mean, this is kind of a big week. It's only week three. A lot of things can change. But like I said, the way I have the points, and we'll, we'll run through it real quick again, and I'll give you the, the totals for the other games uh, toward the end. But, um, I mean, just, just based on the math that I did to try to come up with some of the point totals, I have the Packers winning, the Lions, Bears, and Vikings losing. And um, that would be pretty significant, especially with that being a, a win over the Saints, which is one of the 2-0 and teams in the NFC right now. It's a big week, and it's kind of cool about what's what's going on right now because I kind of like that we don't know. There's so much going on. There's no established anything anymore. Even the 49ers, like we, we, they're established in terms of how good they are, but Brock Purdy's a new commodity. You know, they just got, um, heck, as a running back's name, they just got the running back. You know, I mean, there's they're still relative newness there. You know, the Eagles, they're, they're new on the scene. They sort of just burst on the scene, so they're not really a known thing. It's kind of a how do you respond? Do you get better? Do you get what? Like, what do you do? Dallas is, you know, kind of there, but what, whatever that means. And that's true. I mean, the entire NFC South is, is brand new with the Falcons kind of emerging. Saints with their new quarterback. Olave now is one of the premier receivers in the league. Tampa's kind of a little, little bit gritty. You know, can the Vikings pull out of their tailspin? Can Detroit kind of reemerge as at least an offensive powerhouse, especially at home? Can they kind of get on a run? Can they finally get into the playoffs? You know, what is Seattle? Can they kind of figure it out? The Rams have a couple believers out there. And so every week just kind of feels big, you know? It's, it's, it's this big jostling for supremacy. Like, who's going to be sort of the new emerging team in the NFC? And so it kind of makes even the early games, whereas before, like, you know, crazy stuff can happen, but we know who the better team is. You know, it could be saints rams and given the the era it's like come on the rams are freaking obviously dominant here i don't know it just feels different and it's kind of cool it's a different sort of race and different teams are in different places but it kind of feels like a race to establish yourself as one of the premier teams and there's just a lot of those matchups i mean the saints and packers are two of those teams so anyways uh why don't we take a quick break if you want to support the podcast you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy otherwise venmo at uh, Packernet Podcast. Can't remember if I said it already, but either way, thanks again to Frank Cannon. Really appreciate the support, my friend. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's a uh, fun article here written by Wes Hodkowitz that I wanted to talk about, and it's about our quarterback, Jordan Love. And um, it's always, as I've said before, it's always fun to kind of go behind the scenes and see and learn about this guy, Jordan Love. You know, we don't know a ton. We know a little bit about his past. You know a little bit about how he plays, but not much. You know a little bit about his personality and that he seems kind of quiet and soft-spoken, like there's confidence, but he's quiet. It's about it. I want to pick through some of the things here. It starts off with Aaron Jones, and it mentions how uh, he had a recent conversation with Packers assistant quarterbacks coach Connor Lewis. It says he pondered the path that Jordan Love traveled the past three years from prospect to heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers to finally the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. It says, no matter how intense the pressure Love was undaunted, he conquered the difficult position of following in the footsteps of future pro football Hall of Fame quarterback with maturity, professionalism, and patience. Quote, I'm like, this is the right guy for this, Jones recalls telling Lewis. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get shook. He's always poised. Lewis agreed. Having tried his best to get a rise out of Love in the quarterback's room, nothing worked. It's an evergreen anecdote in the Packers' locker room among the countless examples of teammates failing to fluster the quarterback who can't be moved. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Apparently, that's a running joke. Can't fluster the guy. It says a world-class arm and prototypical intangibles might have made the six foot four, 219-pound quarterback in the first-round pick in 2020, but a calm demeanor and composure in the pocket enabled Love to turn potential into progress. By the way, kind of forget how big he is. 6'4", 220? It's a big boy. Blessed with unflinching confidence in the pocket, Love was once categorized by former Utah State offensive coordinator David Yost in this way, quote, when you watch him, you would think his heart rate is always at about 30. I mean, it doesn't budge, good, bad, or indifferent. That's awesome. Then it turns to Brian Gutekunst talking about they felt the same way, that's why they traded up, they drafted him, etc., etc. It says, quote, whether it was in college and in uh, his time there, through all the ups and downs that he's had, he's maintained a very steady, even-keeled approach, Gutekunst said, and I think that's helped him. His routine helps him get through those games. Hopefully that will serve him uh, as well as we get into the season. Then they turn to Jordan Love on this game against the Saints. Says, definitely be a lot of excitement there just to be in Lambeau. A little bit more excitement, just first time being a starter there, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, Big-time apologies for not even realizing this is the first time that he has been the starter in Lambeau Field. That's crazy, man. I got chills thinking about that. He played in Kansas City. He played in Chicago. He played in Atlanta. He's never started as the quarterback in Green Bay. And I'm kind of nervous for him, too, because there there really is an expectation. You know, Aaron Rodgers was unfreaking believable in Green Bay. 
And yes, I know the jokes. Well, not in the postseason. All right, fair enough. But anyways, there is an expectation that the team plays on another level in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The quarterback plays on another level in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, everybody's got their own thing. You know, some some guys struggle with this or excel at that. Favre had his pros and cons, and Love has his pros and cons. But one thing that is an expectation, even above and beyond beating the Bears, is playing your best football at home. So I am a little nervous for him because, you know, th- this is not the time to have a bad day. And it's unfortunately a pretty good defense. But regardless, that standard does hold, especially when you start, start talking about noon game, September, you know. Like, this doesn't get more auto win for the Green Bay Packers, you know. Put them in their throwback uniforms just to bring it to 98%, I guess. Then it talks about how they, you know, got together in the offseason, which we already know. I was planning on just skipping that part, but there are some kind of cool details in here. It says, it, you know, talks about going beyond in the offseason program, et cetera, et cetera. It says, love, welcome Jones, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, and Dontavian Wicks all out to California. No smoratory. Anyways, all out to California to work out and run routes together. I'm sure he extended offers. It says, football forged friendships as the group bonded over meals, conversations, and even an impromptu bowling outing after original plans fell through to go uh, to drive go-karts at a local speedway. Dobbs later referred to the excursion as, quote, the best thing we've done this offseason. Jones came away from that trip feeling better acquainted with love, both as a player and as a person. Quote, Jordan's our leader, Jones said. We've seen him put in the work for years now. We're excited that he's getting the opportunity to jumpstart his career and that we get to help him. So again, it really digs into the depths of it. It's not just, you know, they met on a field, they threw footballs around, and they got their timing down a little bit. No, they they stayed together. They ate meals together. They bonded together. They grew together as, as teammates and as friends. That's really critical stuff. Then it goes on to uh, talk about Jordan Love and his support. Week one at Soldier Field was loud, but Jair Alexander might have been louder. Before the 2023 regular season, Beckham Love got a taste of what life can be like as an NFL starting quarterback, courtesy of All-Pro cornerback during training camp at Nitschke Field. It says Alexander talked all summer and talked and talked and talked. If he made a play, Jay Money, let Jay Love hear about it. But it was always a one-way transmitter. Love was unfazed through the endless chatter. Alexander doesn't lose many battles on the football field, but admittedly getting to Love proved to be an impossible proposition. So even he was trying to get under his skin and, and, and chirping at him. Quote, I didn't see Jordan get rattled at all, man, Alexander said. He's pretty much the same. I'm always talking to him and trying to get in his head, but I don't know. I don't think it works. <laughs> this is funny. He says it doesn't. David Bakhtiari learned that truth early on in Love's tenure in Green Bay. The five-time All-Pro left tackle put, young, put the young quarterback through his own initiation process to see whether Love had what it takes to succeed at this level. Quote, I remember when he first got here, I purposely would mess with him every day by design, Bakhtiari said. I wanted to try to rattle him because I always want to see what kind of makeup guys are. If they show me some fortitude early, I'm going to push harder and harder because I want to see what their breaking point is or at what point they start squirming. The longer it takes, it's a good element for a successful player. AJ Dillon a little bit later on says, I'm fired up for him. He's really stepping into that leadership role and demanding everybody is right there with him and keeping uh, keep getting better every day. I'm excited for him to continue and do my best to help him out back there. It's great to hear that consistent theme where you're hearing players say, my goal is to make Jordan successful. That's an incredible thing. It's not a very common thing that you hear in the NFL. People who have their own goals and ambitions, people who are trying to make their own paychecks, talking about, I'm glad I get an opportunity to help this guy. Then later it says, Love feels his bond with Lafleur has aided his emergence. The two grew close in the meeting rooms this summer, and those honest conversations have spurred a lot of creativity. It's another kind of a cool thing, is, is their relationship and 
being able to talk and grow and understand. I mean, it's, it's still a feeling out process. Love is still trying to understand the offense to some degree, and LaFleur is still trying to figure out what makes Love tick. How can we emphasize what he does? Well, first of all, we got to find out what he does. And now we're getting a really good taste of it. All right, this is where you excel. This is maybe not so much. What if we do this? What if we try this? Then you get the famous line from Devondre Campbell says, I'll go to war with him any day. I got so much respect for him. The more he plays, the better he'll get. He's ready. So it's, it is cool as we just wait for these games and just watch the results to kind of understand the goings on behind the curtain. It's very cool. Anyways, looking at this Saints-Packers game, we've already kind of looked into it, talked about the Saints, broke down their, I don't know, everything, what they are, what they're not. I thought it might be interesting, though, to look at it from the standpoint of the Saints against the Packers. You're the Saints. How do you beat the Green Bay Packers? What's the plan? It's probably a little bit easier from the defensive standpoint. I mean, really, you just play defense. You have run defenders up front. You have pass rushers up front. Win up front. Run plays stop the run. Pass plays get to the quarterback. Gives you a lot of options outside of that when you got guys that can do both. When you have a team that can do both. So it's straightforward. It's, it's win. Be disruptive. Wait for opportunities. You got one of the better cornerbacks in football right now. He's graded as the number one cornerback through two weeks, although he's, you know, obviously been pretty inconsistent throughout his career, Marshawn Lattimore. But, um, I mean, win, win with your front four. Allow your really good coverage linebackers to play in coverage and take away all the open space. Because, again, remember, that's what the Packers want to do. They want to create space. Defense, you want to take away space. One easy way to do that, drop more people in space. So get Jordan Love pressure and take away his throwing lane. Take away his, the, the, the space on the field. The question I have, though, the bigger question is, what do we do on offense? Because we don't have the ability to run the ball. Terrible running team. We're averaging 3.4 yards per attempt. We just lost Jamal Williams, so we're, we're going with like our third string running back right now. Our offensive line is a disaster. We have a quarterback that excels, especially at throwing deep passes, to a wide receiver who's done a very good job this year in Chris Olave. Also got this crazy situation with a guy by the name of Rashid Shahid, who is a top 10 wide receiver right now, who also was fantastic last year, an undrafted guy that just apparently is amazing at everything. I don't know. But strangely, the the Saints throw deep 20 plus yard passes 21.7% of the time. Now, it hasn't been very successful. There's 7 of 15, 215 yards, a touchdown and two picks, 59 passer rate, uh, passing grade. And beyond that, you don't have an offensive line to be able to block long enough to pull that off. So do we try to attack the Packers' safeties and give the Packers exactly what they want, which is a team that just loves to be passive and to drop back and be, you know, play off and play deep and allow the pass rushers to just attack? You want to play into that because maybe we can stress some safeties? That doesn't seem like a great plan. Should we try to dink and dunk it to mitigate the pass rush? I mean, maybe, maybe you try to do what the Falcons did. Packers are going to play off. Just, just throw screens. You can pick up five every single time. I don't know, but that, I mean, again, what, what, how do you win a football game? What, what is the plan here? We can't run. We can't trust our protection. We can't throw screens every single play, like wide receiver screens or running back screens. So I guess going into this, I, if we switch back to being on the Packer side of things, it really just becomes a case of the Saints feel good about their ability to stop the Packers, I'm sure. They feel good about their defense. But do you feel good enough about your offense that you can outpace the Packers scoring? Because you got to remember, regardless of who these teams have gone up against, this is the number two scoring offense against the number 25 scoring offense. 
Once again, I'm, I'm going to state the obvious here. This really falls on the defense, because if the defense can play up to expectations, then we got two relatively equal defenses. Two top 10 defenses going toe-to-toe, but the Packers have a better offense. If this comes down to Packers' the strength being the offense against the strength of the defense, and then two weaknesses being two, you know, a bad defense against a bad offense, then I don't know. But if the defense can be what it should be, then this is pretty straightforward. Again, we'll see who's playing. I don't know. I guess it's going to be a true game time decision for um, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. I mean, I would guess between Bakhtiari, Watson, Jones, and, and Jair, at least two of those guys probably aren't playing, which isn't great. So again, I will say essentially what I said last week. This, this is on the defense. You need to help win this game. You need to stop this offense because it's going to be very tough sledding for a very young, very inexperienced, very injured offense. The very experienced, potent, talented, elite defense needs to show up against one of the worst offenses in football at home. That has to happen. So again, man, it's kind of like last week. You just set a baseline and you say, this is sort of the expectation and we'll see how it goes. I, I do expect the defense, based on what we expect reasonably the defense to be, to be able to manhandle the 25th best offense in football at home. That is a reasonable expectation. What do I expect for the offense? I don't know. I don't know what this team is really. We saw a game from Jones, a game from Dobbs, a game from Reed, a game from Wicks, nothing from Dillon, terrible offensive line, run blocking in particular, I guess. So zero run game, ranking 26th in yards per attempt, just behind the Saints at 3.3, despite actually having our starting running backs. I don't know. I, I guess um, be careful with the football is an expectation. Good play calling from Matt LaFleur to create opportunities and then when opportunities are there, take advantage of them. And then we'll see what's on the other side of that. We'll see how many points that that accumulates to. That's about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton of expectations, I guess. I mean, what, what would it be? I expect three touchdowns against a top five defense? That's stupid. I expect the offensive line to be able to block one of the better pass rushing units in football? No. What, what, what is the expectation? What, what is it? I don't know. This is, this is sort of a prove-it game, I guess, for the offense. You know, I said last week, if the defense is just a defense that can only play certain offenses, you know, like if you have a bad offensive line and not a mobile quarterback and can't run the ball, then we'll probably be able to handle it. That was sort of a prove-it game last week to be able to say, okay, if you're actually a good defense, you can rise to the occasion of just about any offense. They didn't rise to the occasion. So this is sort of an okay offense. Decent start the first two weeks. Again, number two scoring offense. Hard to be upset with that. What, what, is the, what is the number I've got here? 22 points. You exceed 22 points, you exceed my expectations. Saints defense this year is allowing 16 per game. Last year it was 20 per game. I'm asking this very young, very inexperienced, very injured offense to put up 22. See how it goes. Anywho, we'll take a break and we'll look at the scores for the rest of the games on the other side. We'll be right back. All right, NFL Week 3, off and running. So we already went through the NFC North. Um, don't really need to recap that too much. Giants game is concluded. Um, was fairly close on a couple of these. So I think the score was, what, 30 to 12, 30 to 13 or something? Yeah, 30 to 12. I had it uh, 34, 14, and 29, 16. So either way, pretty much right on the money. Again, just so we're clear, there's 
two different scores here. One is if we just look at 2022 information, one is looking at 2023 information. And again, a lot of these are actually quite similar. For example, I mean, San Francisco and the Giants, it doesn't matter. You look at last year, look at this year, it was basically the same score. Tennessee, Cleveland, kind of kind of the same. Not that this game means a ton to us, but 18 to 23, 16 to 21, doesn't matter. Uh, the teams are relatively similar even coming into this year. There are some slight differences. Uh, Cleveland's defense is playing at a much higher level, but an unsustainable level, allowing 14 and a half points. Tennessee's offense is slightly better, scoring 21 points a game as opposed to 17, but otherwise they're same teams as last year. Atlanta, Detroit, again, I already covered it, but this is this is a will the teams revert to 2022 or is it for real? If we see a revert to 2022, obviously this is for both teams. Detroit smokes Atlanta, 23 to 32. If 2023 is real, I got Atlanta winning 27-21. We'll see what happens. And I even took um, 2023 Atlanta and 2022 Detroit, and Detroit still comes out ahead. So it, it really has more to do with Detroit than Atlanta. Is the new 2023 Detroit that doesn't look as promising, is that what Detroit is? Or are we going to revert back to the 33 points per game Detroit Lions at home? Packers Saints again. I got uh, basically three-point wins for both. 19 to 22 compared to 20 to 23. Denver, Miami, these are two very different teams. So the, the outcomes could be wildly different depending on what we're looking at. Miami last year scored 21, 21 and a half-ish points per game and gave up 15 points per game. Right now they're scoring 30 and giving up 25. They went from an eh offense and an elite defense to an elite offense and a not very good defense. Denver went from scoring 16 points a game to 25 points a game. And the defense, well, the defense still sucks. Actually got worse. 24 points per game, now giving up 26 points per game. And that's not going to get better going up against Miami. But either way, in either situation, I've got Miami winning. It's just a matter of is it by 9 points or is it by 5 points. Um, 2022, you've got 14-23. Miami, this year, much higher scoring, 25-30. to 30. The only real interest there, again, being sort of that power structure thing. Miami is one of those teams. They're red hot right now. Can they maintain that? Another interesting game, very interesting game, Chargers-Minnesota. Again, I've already talked about it, and in both cases, I have Minnesota losing. But I also am a relative believer that at some point, Minnesota is going to wake up. And if they can put up, you know, 30 points, they got a pretty good shot. But interestingly enough, it's the 2023 data that has them basically at 30 and still losing. So based on 2023, it's 31 to 28 Chargers. Based on last year, 26-25 Chargers. Real close game, fingers crossed. Come on, Chargers, freaking wake up. But I also, is that the highest scoring game? So based on the 2023 data, that is potentially the highest scoring game of the week, just ahead of um, <laughs> Indy Baltimore, based on Indy actually scoring a bunch of points. I doubt that's going to end up happening. Uh, Jets, New England, I mean, who freaking cares, man? With with Rodgers out, obviously we need New England to win that game, but there's just, every time I go on Twitter, it's injury, 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 injury. Very low scoring, very close. I've got it 19.4 uh, to 17, so 19 and a half-ish, call it 19.20, whatever. Call it 19.17 Patriots or 19.20 Patriots. Very close, very low scoring game. Uh, Buffalo, I got absolutely stomping out Washington, winning by 8 and 6. Houston and Jacksonville coming down very heavily in Houston's favor. 10-point win, 8-point win. Jacksonville, um, 
pretty close to the team they were last year with the exception of they're not scoring as many points. Houston, uh, significantly worse, surprisingly. There's a lot of pumping up C.J. Stroud and things are kind of looking good out there, but Houston actually is, is quite a bit worse than they were last year. They went from 18.6 points per game down to 15, 14.5 points per game, giving up 23. Now they're giving up 28. Garbage franchise. Uh, Indy Baltimore is one of the bigger blowout games that I have. This is one of the ones I did lay a bet on, even with Baltimore at minus 7.5, and, and I don't know what it's at now. Um, but I have them winning by at least 11 points, 24-13 Baltimore. Based on 2023, I have it 37-20 to 20 Baltimore. A 17-point win. Carolina, Seattle. Um, not surprisingly, Seattle. I have winning the game 24 to 18 or 27 to 20. A six-point or seven-point win. Vegas has it minus six for Seattle, so that seems about about right. Although I would have, um, if you're just looking at 2023, the over is looking pretty enticing. But based on 2022, it's right at the number. Then you got Chicago, Kansas City. 13-point or 16-point win for Kansas City. Again, they already have Kansas City at minus 12. Generally, I don't want to touch stuff like that, but, I mean, it's the only ones that are at least somewhat comfortably over, although the one number I had at, like, 15 over, it dropped to 13, but whatever, still. The fact that it's 12-point favorites for Kansas City, and I'm looking at that going, eh, I should bump that up a little bit. That's crazy. Uh, Dallas, Arizona. Again, it's kind of a how real is Dallas game. Not in terms of who's going to win. Everybody knows Dallas is going to win. But based on last year, it's a nine-point win. This year, it's a 19-point win. Now, Dallas is playing completely out of their freaking minds, scoring 35 points per game, defense giving up just five points per game. That is not sustainable. Although in this game, 35 to five seems pretty reasonable. Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. I've got it either a two-point win or a two-point loss depending on which one you're looking at. Should be a close game either way. Surprised to uh, to even be saying that, but surprisingly, <laughs> as bad as Pittsburgh has been, I have Pittsburgh losing based on 2022 and winning based on 2023. The Raiders are scoring just 13.5 points per game and are giving up 27 points per game. Despite how putrid Pittsburgh has been, they're scoring 16.5 points per game and it's three points more per game than Las Vegas. They're giving up 26 points per game, which is trash. It's one point less than Las Vegas. It's crazy. So I would probably lean Pittsburgh um, just because we're in 2023, and even last year, it would be a close call. And based on 2022, I was using home and away. I can't do that this year because there isn't enough information. Some teams have not even played home or away, so I just took the averages. But for last year, it was based on home and away, so even with Las Vegas at home, it would just be a two-point win. Philly-Tampa, I'm actually really pulling for Tampa. I don't like Tampa, um, but it, I, I, just, I just wonder about Philadelphia. That's all I'm saying. Right now, their offense and defense have been underperforming based on last year. You look at it and say, that's not true. They scored 30 points per game last year. They're scoring 29.5 this year. They, score, they allowed 24, 24 points per game last year. They're allowing 24 this year. Yeah, but not if you look at DVOA, which is how good of a job you're doing compared to what level of competition you're going up against. Their offensive DVOA was 14%. Right now it's at 9%. Their defensive DVOA was negative 13.3. They're at 3.2 right now. I mean, negative 3.2, but still. It's a big drop-off. So again, you assume it's going to get better, but we have a one, again, we have one year sample size of Philadelphia being this sort of powerhouse team. So we'll see. It's not even necessarily that Tampa needs to win 
It's just that we need to see a not exactly elite Super Bowl caliber Philadelphia. If they can win and still have just a, you know, mid offense and defense, kind of clears a path. And then Cincinnati and the Rams. Can Cincinnati bounce back? Will Joe Burrow play? Are the Rams for real? All that plays into 2022. It's a 12 and a half point win for Cincinnati. 2023, it's an eight point win for the Rams. So we will see how that all plays out. And again, just to recap, for the games that matter to us, call it a 14 point loss for the Chicago Bears, a two point loss for the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit's up in the air, but based on 2023, it's a five point loss for Detroit and a three point win for Green Bay. Let's hope for the clean sweep, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's all I got. I got to go. You have a good day. Go Pack Go. Talk to y'all for Victory Monday. Bye-bye.